welcome to Season 3, Episode 23 of LOI Weekly with Johnny Ward, Dan McDonald, and Aidan Fitzmaurice this week in the Dublin studio with Dan in Riga waiting on Dundalk's big game uh, to come in the Champions League qualifier. Steve McGuinness and Emma Connachton of the PFAI are going to be here for the second half of the show uh, with Edo and I. And we're going to talk about the FAI um, and League of Ireland sort of think tank at the weekend and various other matters uh, that Stephen and Emma would like to get to. But let's just start by going to Dan. Uh, and I should mention also we're in association with Aerosport and Independent.e. Uh, welcome, Dan, to the show. How are you keeping? Yeah, I'm good, John. Um, over, over in Riga, as you mentioned, not exactly uh, sweltering European weather. I mean, Ado would know what a lot of these trips are like, and you've obviously been on a couple yourself. Uh, you always imagine, like, you know, an Eastern European country in the middle of July, it's going to be sweltering or whatever, but it was lashing rain all all morning, Tuesday morning here. Um, a bit barmier this afternoon, but not not spectacular, not in the sense that, you know, heat and humidity would be a massive talking point. Now, the temperatures are meant to actually improve, so that, that could prove to be wrong, but certainly today it's sort of a, a dull enough day. You spoke to Robbie Benson as well. Yeah, just before, I, at, at Dublin Airport yesterday, um, before travelling out, I spoke to Robbie Benson, and, and, you know, we obviously alluded to last week's game, which was... I think still quite underwhelming for people. I think um, as much as as much as I said on last week's show, actually, I think that once Dundalk didn't concede, I felt they would go through. Um, didn't concede in the first leg. I felt they would go through. It, it was still slightly disappointing. But I spoke to Robbie Benson, and he did make the point uh, initially that actually Dundalk's record in second legs is generally better than it would be in first legs, and he maybe explained why. You don't know as much about each other, and you're just kind of feeling each other there's only so much you get off of the video and comparing different leagues mm-hmm. whereas when you come up against each other you can see you know okay this fella he wasn't as quick as we thought he was or he doesn't get as high as uh, yeah. he might have do in the league so um, once you play each other once you kind of get a feeling where you can give each boy and second leg we have been been uh, better in the first legs for the main part so um, last year aside but um, yeah yeah we're confident going out there and I mean, as the seeded team, does is there a bit of I don't know? Is pressure the word that comes with it this time? Because there's a lot of expectation around this tie this year. Is it a different feeling than say going to play Bate or someone where you are very clearly the underdog? Is it a slightly different feeling around um, the tie? A little bit. I, I when you're there's the case of nothing to lose when you play a, re, a really top team. Whereas the expect, when the expectation levels are higher, yeah, I suppose you do feel a bit under pressure to, to to get through but look there's no easy easy games in, in the Champions League I think there's only three three teams have gone through the first round of Champions League from Ireland the last 10 mm. years only so it's, it's very difficult even though there's an extra round now where, where we are seeded and we expect to go through um, but it is difficult and uh, yeah look we, there's a safety net of the Europa League as well even though it's not where you want to be yeah. as long as you can stay in the Champions League that's the better for us but um, yeah it's just I suppose my, I, people's expectations are probably a lot higher than 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 ours are in the sense that they think it's going it's a walk in the park this first round against yeah. the team where it's not really like that we expect to go through if we play to our potential but I think people will see it as a huge major shock and upset if, if we don't yeah. go through where not 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 really, really the case as really such, yeah. Was there a point where you thought you wouldn't make Europe? I mean, like, you, do you know? No, no, no. no. 
it was always a couple of, 12 weeks was the, the target the surgeon gave us and uh, it was a pretty aggressive target but um, it was always just a little I had to get a second off to get something taken out that was giving me a bit of problem and that, that made a big difference when, when that cleared up but no it was, it was never really an issue it was just I suppose for myself just would I be able to play to the level that that had been before mm. would, have been a, would have been a question and I remember a couple of weeks before we went back before I went back and I was doing a couple of light jogging drills and just small easy change of direction stuff where I was watching lads playing 8v8s and training and it just seemed I was just like oh, I'm so far away from that right yeah, now and that yeah. was only about four or five weeks ago but um, the more you do it the uh, when he came on, Edo, he definitely seemed to make a big difference. I felt anyway. Dundalk seemed to have more of a rhythm. Yeah, they, they weren't like themselves. They, they, I don't know, was it nervous and a, a lot of possession, not knowing what to do with it. And you, you wonder, a lot of talk before the game, but the first match in Europe in a long time without without uh, Stephen Kenny in charge and, and Vinnie Perth more than once mentioned that it's, he's not a European debutant. he's been around a long time as a player they just didn't didn't have that and I, I don't know what it was in the night that maybe showed them too much respect I, I don't know what it was at Riga but there's, there's definitely more to come from Dundalk they're, they're better than they showed in, in that the fear is how much more is there in, in Riga will they feel they're at home they're looking to go through as well uh, you know that, that they've invested in their team as Vinnie Perth said I think they signed three or four players in between the, the draw being made and, and the match so they're pretty serious about it, but I do think there's more in. And if just getting Benson on, it just a few, you know, a few things weren't right. And you know, Pat Hoban didn't look in good form. Pat McElhenney, I don't mm. know if he was fully fit. So a few things went against him. So in a way, it's fortunate they did didn't concede, um, losing clearly as well at uh, at half time didn't didn't help. Sorry, um, Shields, Shield, yeah. Chris Shields in the, the clash with with Cleary, but there's more to come. And maybe Benson can can do over 90 what he did over over half an hour in, in the first game and that's the the key point isn't it that like if you look at some of Dundalk's players there's no doubt they can play better in the second leg yeah no they certainly can I mean and and you know the the point has been made I mean Robbie Benson also also not not in that clip but Robbie Benson also mentioned that you know the, the pitch over here is due to be uh, it's a new surface. It's 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 actually more suited to maybe intricate passing and one twos around the penalty area and stuff that the dog like to do. Um, and I think against the team that that actually sits in uh, on the pitch at Oriel, they can actually, if they're disciplined and organised, they can restrict the home team. And Aidan mentions the amount of possession the dog had. Riga were happy for them to have the possession and almost said, play through us if you can. And the dogs just couldn't get the rhythm going. They just weren't really capable of of opening the game up to any to any degree at all. And there probably would would be hope uh, hope amongst the sort of travelling support here that actually Riga show a bit more attack and ambition. And as a result, that will leave more space. Now, we are speaking on Tuesday afternoon. You, you talk about space. One of the things that obviously, you, you know, a strength of the Dundalk side that if the game becomes a bit more stretched is that you can use the pace of Michael Duffy on the break. He was actually found it pretty hard last week. He was almost double marked at times and almost from a standing start trying to make stuff happen. There is a still a question mark over whether Michael Duffy is going to make it here because um, his, his partner is expecting a child and obviously uh, hope that everything goes well with that. He was at the airport he had to turn around and go back and you know, arrangements have been made to get him out here for the game tomorrow all going to plan but speaking now that's just obviously a small bit of a doubt at this stage so that would be 
as a, a slight concern if they were to not have his services. But um, I, I think, you know, Vinny does have a few decisions to make, even just take that situation out of the equation and assume that he makes it. Um, you know, do, do you do you go from Benson with Benson from the start? I think he, he seems to be in good shape, but there's still an element of a risk after a long break. Do you bring Andy Boyle in? Because he, he did quite well in his time in the pitch. Do you start with a Mountney as a more conservative right-sided option, or do you go with a, a Jamie McGrath out there or a Daniel Kelly? There's a few. There's a few uh, question marks. A few decisions to be made. Even Massey and Jarvis would be another one. I think that might be up for debate. I think this time around. So we've been told Massey's doing the press conference today. So I don't know if that means anything, but sometimes it does. So um, there's there's definitely big decisions to be made. And and as as Aidan mentions, yeah, Vinnie Parrot has a lot of European experience, but he, he didn't make the, he didn't make the the final calls and I think like the final calls that are made here are going to be pretty significant in a tie that, that is bloody significant for the club there's no it's not to be hyper you know don't want to engage in hyperbole but it is a, it's no. an obvious fact I mean oh, this is absolutely. a big game the, it, like it's, it's so big Ada, when you look at the you know the ramifications of defeat versus ramifications of victory and the very real possibility that they might avoid Carabeg as well because they only drew nil all away in Tirana and you, all of a sudden you're thinking if Dundalk get through here they have a real chance of possibly qualifying uh, at the very least uh, into the next round again yeah I mean group stages that hasn't been mentioned I mean even when someone like Celtic struggled to make the group stages you realise how hard it is for Dundalk so I, th- I think a lot of things in their favour as I said the fact that they, they can play an awful lot better I think the location as well obviously Dan is there again idea tomorrow I've been a lot of these club games in the Baltics over the last couple of years and one thing you find is it's it's the opposite of a Calderon I hate I don't know what maybe Dan might more idea in terms of crowds I was there in Lithuania when Shamrock Rovers played um, Panavasis and there was nearly as many away fans as were home I've been Latvia twice with Pats and one game they played Olympics a couple of years could beat them 1-0 there was there was more than 100 home fans so I think that's in their favour it's not like they're going into you know a difficult place with four or five thousand home fans I, I don't Dan might know more but I wouldn't no, expect no, to be it's a certainly not us. That, that's not the anticipation as you mentioned and, and actually I should mention before I forget there was actually quite a few compliments for our Latvian guest on absolutely, last week's big pod, time. Edmonds who, uh, who called it absolutely right in terms of how Riga would approach the game but he also did allude to the fact last week that there won't be a big crowd over here and certainly last night I sort of popped into a, a place next to here and bizarrely the guy working behind the bar uh, is also works for the local Latvian news agency and uh, he's, uh, he's starting off his career there and uh, so doing a bit of bar work on the side, but he was just saying that every every home game for a Latvian team in Europe, it's always the away fans that make all the noise, that they're the boisterous ones. He said, apparently their ice hockey fans are known to be a bit lively and a bit rowdy, but I think uh, Dynamo Minsk were here last week playing one of the Europa League sides, and I think there was almost a mini pitch invasion, and uh, the locals were all a bit perturbed by all of this, that, that, that while there's interest in football, there isn't a sort of a passion in it, in the sense that they're going to create, as you mentioned, a cauldron of hate. This isn't going to be Legia Warsaw um, away. It's not even going to be. It's not even going to be Derry away. You know, in terms of uh, of of atmosphere generated by the locals. And there is some talk to be three three hundred and fifty Dundalk fans over here. Uh, so they'll make all the noise. But I suppose, I mean, there's obviously, you know, there's a pressure and expectation that comes with their expectation as well. But you you would hope that that would be channeled as a positive thing. I, I was disappointed enough in Dundalk. Are you, are, do you think they're as good as the 2016 team that went so far in Europe? There, you, you know, you look at the likes of kind of Horg and um, Macmillan and Stephen O'Donnell. I suppose were not around anymore, but they they never really clicked into gear. I thought last week. No, that's what I'm saying. There, maybe there is there is more to come. Was was that? 
nervousness was it you know another point Vinnie Perez was making that the, the grass pitch in Latvia will suit them better that maybe there's something about the, the games that are a lot of the really good performances in Europe have come in 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 Tala um, so I, I don't know if uh, you know it's not home so I, I there's more to come I mean I, I think key man for me I think Sean Gannon I think he probably has been Dundalk's best player this year the real threat from, from Riga was I can't remember his number but Popesu the, the French winger mm. he thought he was a real threat nearly scored as well yeah yeah and just in terms he's the kind of player who he's so just the way he plays, he he, he could get you on. If whoever's marking him could be on a yellow card the first time. They go. A lot, an awful lot depends on the referee. I thought the referee, I think he was from Montenegro last week, was pretty good. Let most things go. But if you have Sean Gann on a yellow card after five, ten minutes, t- to me, that kind of changes your game plan because you're on alert then for, for 80 minutes. So if, if they... Sean Gannon, he got the goal in, in, in Tala that, that beat Rovers a couple of weeks ago. He he is key. If he can control control that back the big decisions as Dan mentioned at the back does, does Boyle come in how, how do you fit Andy Boyle into the team um, are they as good as it it's it's hard to, to compare teams you know Vinny Perth was asked about this last week and he said it's like trying to compare Messi and Maradona you know they're different eras there's different even though it's only a couple of years Perth's view is that this team is has more has more about them than, than the, the 2016 team but you look at what those players did the fact that a couple of them went on to, to play for Ireland Boyle and Horgan went on to play for Ireland uh, McMillan you know doing, doing, doing reasonably well in, in, in the SPL not going so great at the moment but um, th- there is more I think there's more in them and can, can Vinnie Perth and the staff can they get that out of them get uh, sit around and, and there I think team meetings will be key why were we so tame why were we just not lacking where was our spark last week maybe they just had an off day Hoban as we said just d- didn't look sharp McElhenney maybe fitness a lot of things didn't click that this is their chance to click and show that they can't deliver what that team did in, in 2016 and play with that that verve and that passion and that, that confidence the confidence that team in 2016 have I didn't see that last week uh, so hopefully that can, that, that's that's the challenge for Vinnie Perth and John Keel and Rory Higgins to get that out of them it, it should be remembered that they they drew against FH at home and it took them a bit of time to get going in that campaign and like the only thing Dan for, for Hooban this is a huge game I think because you know I think even by his standards he's had a patchy season his record in Europe isn't great without being too bad he's gotten a couple of very important goals wasn't at his best last week but a goal from Hooban in this game would just be so so important yeah, no, I think it would be fantastic for him. You know, there's obviously, you know, it's there's there's speculation around his contract at the moment, which 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 can't be ignored. Really, it's it's obviously a talking point amongst any fans that you stop and you speak to. So, um, I don't think you need to be Scoops McScooperson to to be interested in that story. You know, um, and it's and it's something that you have to. Like it's it's not ideal, right? And there's certainly when you have your 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 talisman, the, the guy who scored, you know, sort of an unbelievable amount of goals. The club's all-time record goal scorer must be remembered in 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 a very short period of time. Um, so it's it's strange that there's this question mark over him, but but it it, it does exist to a degree at the moment, as as crazy as that might sound. Now. In a strange way, I think McMillan was someone who was really suited to European games. Like he had, an, he had an amazing record in Europe, a better record in Europe nearly than he had domestically. And I think maybe for that that solo striker job in Europe, maybe his style, um, you know, he could sort of get down the sort of channel sometime and and, and give teams problems in behind a bit. And maybe Huben sometimes and he's a very good hold up player, but 
there was times last week where he was frustrated. He wasn't quite getting the ball. You know, he's good with players around him, and he and they weren't getting bodies around him at times. And um, you know, so you can analyze it to death. But but I think also ultimately that he wasn't his best last week, and I think he'd probably, I'm sure he'd probably admit that too, without having got you know sterling service. So for him, it's big. I mean, you do wonder if this game is nil all tomorrow. And it's you know it's it's sixty minutes into the game. Uh, is, is there a temptation to bring Georgie Kelly in there at, at some stage? Now, I think the problem as well in the past, like you've had Huben and McMillan who uh, complemented each other as two strikers, and even Kilduff was a bit different to McMillan uh, to some degree. Whereas some of Kelly's attributes are similar to to Huben, you know, so it's not necessarily a, a massively different option. Um, so would he be tempted to, to go for two up front at some stage in the game? I think maybe even last week, if they didn't have to waste the injury, waste the substitution on the Shields injury, sorry, mm. uh, would, would they have gone that route? But yeah, I think it, maybe like Huben scores tomorrow and, and he, he, he gestures to anyone who's given him grief and, it, and, it's, and it's over as a talking point for now. But I think once the contract is unsigned, this is a story that's going to linger for a while and it probably will be a pretty timely time for him to get a goal. Uh, we don't have you for much longer, so briefly, do you, do you predict the to go through? Uh, do I expect them to go through? I, I do. I'm, I'm not madly confident, um, but I, I, I guess I have to stick with what I said last week that I felt if Riga didn't score in Oriel, I, I felt that Dundalk would score over here. And uh, I think one goal for them here should probably be enough, uh, even if it's a nervy one all or whatever it might be. Um, so, so I think so. I think they, they're capable of doing it, but like I'm not. Uh, you know, there have been times in the past around games where you'd be more bullish and think, yeah, they're going to do it. I, I'm not getting that vibe yet. Um, and, and maybe just, just just a few question marks over this group at the moment and hopefully hopefully they can answer them. Myself and Edo will chat more about the uh, European games when, when Dan um, has gone because he doesn't have that much time with us. But Rovers and Brand, Dan, the only realistic, you would imagine, um, game in which one other Irish team might go through. Rovers fully deserving of a two-all draw last week and really should be confident enough getting the job done. Yeah, no, I watched that, watched that game on air. It was def- definitely... Uh, I also look. I think actually both Dundalk and Rovers were were sloppy. In, in Rovers didn't play that well. Rovers week. didn't play that well. Like they, they, and I think I mean it comes back to what I said a couple of weeks back that I just don't think that the teams get tested regularly enough in the league. Really, they're not getting a high enough test from everyone on a week to week basis. And I think there was the, and that's why you talk about a team that's like good defensively at home. But then actually to go to Europe and they give away chances, I I just think like it's a step up in level and maybe just there's, there's, there's just the the application wasn't there. But at the same time, like neither side lost and I think they've got a chance to almost improve in their performance. And I, I think I, I like I think in the second half, Rovers still played pretty well. I think they actually tightened things up a bit and they they were I felt they were more in control in the second half than they were in the first half, which was a bit um it was a bit open. And which, which is not what you would have thought with the, the respective sides goal scoring or defensive records in their league but they held it together well I thought the best part of the game was actually their play leading up to the equaliser just it was the 98 minute 2-1 was a good result still you know you could argue and you know even just Jack Byrne keeping the ball well the midfield players I think it was Bulger or McAniff, you know they won the corner with good play so they earned it um, and I, I, I would really hope in Tala you know, to reflect the maturity, the growing maturity of this Rovers side. I mean, they had the near miss against the Swedish side last year. Um, okay, it's a different different order of ties and that they're home second time round. But 
I just think they need to manage this game well. And if they manage this game well, I think they're really capable of, of going through. So that's encouraging. Cork and Pats, like, I, I, Pats were probably up against it, although we have done well against Swedish sides in recent years. So when a Swedish side looks way ahead of an Irish team, you're, you're looking at that, you know, think, yeah, you know, our, our, our mid-table teams aren't, aren't at a great level. And Cork, I mean, that's just, there's no good spin on the Cork thing. I know we had Declan carry on. I know, to some degree, there's an element of, of writing off this season, you know, in the sense that they just need to regroup and a lot of players out of contract. And, but it was still a chance to play Rangers in a, in a big European tie. And I just thought that there would be more in them. Um, and, and to lose to a side that's effectively in their pre-season, who scraped past the Welsh side in pre-season, um, and to lose badly at Turner's Cross, I, like, I just, I, I know Derry hammered them down there. So I mean, you know, the, the team from Luxembourg aren't the only team to to, to win relatively comfortably down there. From speaking to people who are at it, but Jesus, it's not great. You know, <laughs> it's, 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 there's no. There's no good spin on that, and you know you never know. They might bounce back and get an early goal over there and make things more interesting. But but they'd want to nearly. I mean, they're a full time operation. Like you're 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 putting money into a full time fifty two week operation. Um, that I just think in Europe they shouldn't be putting in abject performances like that. And and that certainly seems to be the word that was a fitting description of how they played. Um, before you go, uh, who do you expect to get through then from the four? Yeah, well, as I said, I think I think Dundalk and Rovers are capable of doing it. Um, but like, I'm not madly optimistic. Like, it, it, it's it, it wouldn't take much for both to lose as well, you know. So I think the, the margins are are fairly fine. I mean, Brand still have some good attacking players, although that's actually I think been one of their weaknesses at home this year. They, they're very capable of scoring in Tallis, so I think Rovers are going to need to score too. You know, I don't think it's going to be a nil all job uh, to get them through. So. I, I don't know. I can predict that they will, but I, I don't think anyone could say with certainty what's going to happen. I don't think you can be definitive about it. I think it's going to be pretty close. I think both both ties with 15 minutes to go should probably have a bit of spice left in them, that's for sure. Who's under more pressure here, Stephen Bradley or Vinnie Perth? And kind of how, how important uh, is it to the two managers that they get through? I, it's more important for Vinnie Perth, ultimately. I, I think, you know, if, if Rovers go out... Uh, as much as you know the, the European games, it's a, the Europa League games are great. I mean, they're good, they're great for players, but it's it's almost impossible to get through the four rounds to get to a group stage. So really, you're trying to make as much money as possible and try and improve your improve your seeding uh, as much as possible, so that you know, like Rovers know if they win the league this year, they're going to be unseeded next year in the Champions League. Whereas you know, it's a bit different for for Dundalk. So they need, they need to still build their European record up, and it's important. But it's not to be all and end all. I think winning a league or a cup is, is more important for, for, for Stephen Bradley this year. But Vinnie Perth, I think it's different. I think you can't avoid the fact that they have an American ownership now who want to see the club progressing in Europe. And um, it's one thing to lose to a team like Bate Barzov and, and Rosenberg or whoever. I, th- I think, you know, even, even a Larnica, I think there's an understanding that you're up against it there and, and that's fine. But I think as a seeded team to lose to a side from Latvia, as good as they might be and as well-resourced as they might be, I think that's that's a problem because I still think come the end of the year, even if Dundalk were to retain the league, uh, there would be an element of a question mark of, well, yeah, but they didn't do a huge amount in Europe. And I, I think it, that may be unfair, um, 
but I, but I think that's the realistic expectation that exists around the club. So I think there's, there's way more pressure on the dock this week than there is on Rovers, that's for sure, yeah. I think that's why Pete came in as well, to progress in Europe with all due respect. There is a lot of pressure on. Dan, thanks a million for your time. Thanks, lads. Enjoy it. I'll talk to you soon. Ado, you were at the Pats game, as was I, so let's start with that. Um, of all the sort of four results, this was the one where you could kind of say they were playing against a team that were probably just better than them. You can see from the start, nine internationals, and so often you've seen Irish clubs play a Scandinavian team like that. They get maybe scoreless draw, 1-0, 2-0 win. You know they've more in them. In, if, if Pats had scored, I think North Shipping would have scored another two or three. They were just better in every way. And there was a lot of focus on the, the two players with the, the famous dads, Tern and, and Larson. But the number seven, Franson, uh, ran the game for me. I thought he was I thought mm. he was superb. I know he gave the ball away that nearly let, uh, let Pats in for one of their chances. But just same same thing with Pats, just no real creativity. Um, didn't really work the keeper. Um, they kind of promised a really special European night at Richmond Park. It just didn't feel like... I think everyone just... There's no, no disgrace in losing, but they're just they're they're a better. Dan used the word phrase well resourced earlier on, but everything about North Shopping is a couple of levels above Pats. They still should have done better. Connor Clifford said after we, we all let ourselves down. He included himself in that that they didn't get close to them, but still I, I just think they're. I think it's going to be a tough night in in Sweden. I think if if North Shopping want want to want to turn it on, they could score two or three or four. The sliding doors moment was the tackle on Gary Shaw. Uh, obviously, the position I was in, it was the, the stonewall of stonewall penalties um, that I've seen this season. When you look at it from the angle of the camera, it didn't look quite as, as kind of clear-cut. And Harry Kinney did mention afterwards, I do have sympathy for Pats because they're 1-0 up probably there, and that's a massive start to them, even if they lose, even if they get a one-all draw or something like that. Yeah, it's worth that so early as well, 13 minutes, but it can maybe... But that had been given in, in the ref. As I said, the, I thought the ref in the Dundalk game was fair. Pats will look at that. I, I still don't think, I still think North Shipping would, they just had too much of them. I just sometimes, you just look at, at the other team, look at what they had on the bench. Everything about them, I think, was better and, and they, they cope with with difficulties. That was that wouldn't be part of the game plan, going down 1-0 to a penalty after 13 minutes. I think they would have come back from it. So I, I think that wouldn't have even changed. I think it's, it's Pats are looking for crumbs of comfort and think, what if, what if they would have been rattled? They're not the kind of side that get rattled, you know, as nine internationals, players like that don't get don't get rattled. They were a classy side. Yeah. yeah. And and you found that they had that gear in them. And maybe, to, like, I think it was Conan Burma saying they were feeling Pats out for a lot of the game and then they just kind of they, they pounce when they made one mistake. That's that's what they do. And you look mm. at the, the lead up to the goal, you know, the, even the, the chance that Larson had. Larson didn't score, but one of the chances he had it was about five passes into him and just that patient passing. And it's just that it's a different experience of, 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 of football. And Dan is talking about not being tested in the league and, and their test playing the like of Ike or the, the teams that, that they play. They play their sixth in the league, so they're, they're not outstanding team by Swedish standards. But the, the level that they, they play at, they're used, used to those. And, and going to play someone like Ike in, in a big league game and maybe going for a score draw or, or you know going for a 1-0 win they, they do that I, it reminded me a couple of years ago Pats, Pats played I know Denmark's different to, to Sweden but Pats played Odin's uh, I think 2007-2008 it was quite similar home game was, was quite quite tight it was nil all draw and Pats went over they're thinking they can do something they got tanked 5-0 over there it could have been 10 only for Barry Ryan uh, I just think that they, they just had that class about them and, and you realise how we talk about trying to lift the game here and you realize it's, it's only when you go to somewhere like, like North Shopping I haven't been there but we've been to a lot of those Scandinavian clubs and you realise on the field, off the field, we're probably twenty years behind. Mm, sadly enough, the the three five two, um, I thought it let them down. I didn't think that the players really implemented. But if you look at Harry Kenny now, they're fourth in the table, which they're far from guaranteed to get at the end of the season. Brandon Meal is not playing at the moment. Uh, Chris Forrester just hasn't started at all for, for them, or hasn't played well really. Their two strikers have a handful of goals between them. So there's there are for, for the amount of sort of 
probably resources he's had. It's been a patchy season. Yeah, uh, Forrester has has been has been elected. They just haven't been able to get that out of him. What, what the player Chris Forrester can be, and the player he's shown for St. Pat's since he joined them this year are just day and night. What 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 he could do, he could be he he should be the key player in the league. And he just hasn't hasn't done that for some parts. It was a huge blow for him last week because he enjoyed the European games, but his first spells a spell at Pats, and uh, that was his chance. And the fact that he didn't start, and then they made three changes, and he didn't wasn't even one of the subs. That would have been a big big blow to Chris. But they tried to front, and there's, there's a lot of talk about. If you look at Cork, I think that's seven European games in a row now. Cork without no scoring. I don't think they've scored in Europe since since Sean Maguire left. That a lot of talk around the game at the moment. You look at the, the under 19s the other day needing a goal from midfield. Where are the goals coming from? And and there is a bit of talk. It, that's that's an, an outcome of, play, of ten years of everybody playing with with one up front. That maybe go back to playing two up front. The old you know spirit of Ireland at the, the World Cup in 02 That maybe go back to that, go away from the, the 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 Dutch model or whatever whatever you might call it. Pat's tried that with the two and it, and it didn't work. So every it's not just Pat's. Everyone is looking for goals. Look at Bowles now haven't scored in three, Cork seven in a row in Europe without without scoring. Um, I, I think it was brave enough of Harry to, to try the two up front, but didn't didn't work. They just didn't have the confidence. Mikey Drennan had a good shot, you know, in the in the second half and, you know, it went into the shed. Um, they just lacked that lacked that that confidence and that can come from a Chris Forrester who's on form, as I said, near descent the, the main man for North Shopping, the number seven in midfield who just everything went through him. He just sprayed passes around. Uh Pats didn't have that. Last season, Derry were the team probably that went into Europe and you weren't confident that they were going to do much because they were a bit of a mess in the league. Cork's result was shambolic really like they're playing a, a, a bang average team gave away two horrendous bad goals seven go- seven games in Europe without scoring um, I, I, as Dan said there's no way of sugarcoating this and the, the, the potential to play Rangers like a team that are probably beatable and a huge name not that Cork would probably be in the, in the shape to beat them but this is a I, I just don't know where Cork are at the moment financially or otherwise I, I'd be a bit worried about where they're going to be for the next few years and this was no help at all No as a club there's always two sides was a team where they're going but also as a club and they still have huge advantages down there they have that whole Munster area more or less to themselves I know Waterford are there but they have such a catchment area in terms of support they're still in a much better place than they were uh, clearly 10 years ago when, when the fans took over in terms of their, their sponsorships the money coming in you look at their links with UCC there's an awful lot going on at the club um, but they, they just can't get it right on. and, and you, yeah, you trace it back to the, the day have they been the same club since, since Sean Maguire left you know kind of just about got over the line in terms of the league they were by no means a one-man team, but Sean Maguire did. He scored the goals that won them the league. He scored a lot of the goals in Europe, and when they had a, had a decent run, and this is Cork, who only what two three years ago were capable of of, of beating Hacken, a Swedish team. And you would fear for this Cork City team if they played a, a Swedish team at the moment. It's they they still have huge potential. They could still get three thousand for for a European game. Maybe they should be looking for double that. Maybe you shouldn't be accepting accepting oh, having having three thousand. It's 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 still three thousand punters on it, I and mean, when it's very very hard to get people out to to pay into to sporting events. But I think as as a club, maybe what they need to do is focus on on this new board. A lot of you know change of manager that John Coffey was there for a long time. Been a lot of changes to to try and try and stabilize and decide where they're where they're going as as a team. It needs to be needs to be freshened up. Um, maybe they. they they just need something, but I think they would have hoped that Europe could have done that because having having Rangers, having Steven Gerrard, yeah, that match would have been live on Sky. That the boost that would have given the the club, in in terms of profile, is clearly gone. Uh, the league is clearly gone. The, their whole season now rests on, on the FAI Cup. Uh, 
you know, an early exit and, and you look at Cork season could be over in, in August. So it's there's a, there's, there's a lot going on off the field that's right, as I said, and they do this difficult for, for clubs. The FAI will know this experience as well. When things are going bad on, on the field, you forget about all the good things that are happening. There are good things happening in the background of Cork, but just at the moment that the team just can't, can't match that. It's, it's a kind of a calamity of a collapse, though, when you think about it, that where they were last season, as much as they weren't as good as they were, but they're a team now that in another season might actually be struggling in in um, to to not be in the bottom two. If the other two teams were a bit better, their their midfield. Watch them against Bowes. Um, I remember Greg Bulger saying he found it hard to play with Rovers because of the Cork system and the way he wasn't really mm-hmm. passing the ball. But like their midfielders, when I was down at the Bowes game, they didn't really look like they wanted to get on the ball. They have nobody to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, I just and if they don't have the money to maybe reinvest. I'd I'd wonder where where Cork would be in the next few years against teams that are rapidly passing them out. But more investment, and they they do have the, the option. They do have a lot of young players, particularly at the back. Uh, I know there's been a talk about McNulty's there a long time, and 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 do, you know is that how, how long more will will Mark McNulty be be number one down there? Um, there's there's you know there's there's a lot of. Uh, they do have young players, so maybe a sale, you know, a Sean McLaughlin or Conor McCarthy or somebody like that, a big sale with, with big revenue, the lift that would give the club could 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 bring them to another place. They do have they can offer full time football. They they had the, the conditions to, to bring um the the centre half from Bowes, um Casey, Dan yeah. Casey. Mm. They had they still have the resources to, to bring great, to make great stadium to, and all that. To convince him they have a training ground, they have mm. a stadium, they have enough resources to bring players down and get them to relocate from Dublin to Cork. So they do have have advantages. Uh, when a club has that, you look at Linfield being able to bring in Bastianeri. When you have the, the resort to be able to go to a player and put an offer on the table that will convince a player to move from Dublin in Casey's case or uh, um, for, for, to, to Belfast in the case of Airy, when you have that, so they do have resources, but they need to uh, they they just need to get it right. That's why I thought this Europe was their chance. Maybe just get it going and play Rangers. They wouldn't have beaten Rangers. You know, progress beat beat them uh, beat Rangers a couple of years ago, but to give give Rangers a rattle and just lift the club and that hasn't happened. So when when you're relying on on the uh, the FAI Cup to save you, it's um, you're you're in trouble. I I watched the Rovers game before the Pats game, and I think a few of us were kind of huddled around the laptop. And two minutes into uh, two minutes into injury time, it looked like it was fizzling out, and then my screen went blank for about two minutes. Mm. I don't know, it was a dodgy four G or whatever. And then when it came back, they were all celebrating the goal. So it was like, oh, happy days, Rovers have scored. But I, I didn't think Rovers played that well, to be honest. I thought um, they can play an awful lot better. And the funny thing, what if 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 Brand have a good defensive record in the Norwegian league, it would lead me to wonder what the standard is like there, because Brand were not good at the back, and their keeper was all over the shop. I think they just had an off day. I was speaking mm. to somebody from Rovers the other day, an official, not somebody from the team, who they're a bit worried about the home leg because they just think that not not within the the squad, just around generally in the support, people think it's done. You know, we got a draw, we came through it, we give two away goals, and that. The fear is that Brand, Brand, a bit like Dundalk, uh, you know, there's more to come from them. The fear is that there's a lot more to come from Brand. That that was a bit of a shock for them. I think we focus sometimes on the Irish clubs looking at the money, and you know, clubs like Brand, they're serious about progressing Europe as well. They will look to club like Brand Bergen would have ambitions of being in the in the group stages. Um, so there is there is there is more to come from them. They can play an awful lot better, and that's that is the fear that that Rovers that's going to be a problem for Stephen Bradley to to I think he'll do that. That's that's a problem for managers just in general around the club. Uh, the support that just you know this isn't a done deal. You know it's not going to be party time on, on Thursday night. They they do have work to do, and can uh, how much better can can Bram play? Yeah, like I I'd agree with you there because I I think they may have caught Brian a bit on the hop, but like Rovers can look into look at it and say you know Aaron Green missed basically an open goal in the first half. He missed from outside the box where he should have scored, and 
you know, the, the penalty giveaway was very, very sloppy. Rovers see this now as a huge opportunity, I think. Yeah, the fact that they're, you know, and, and I, I didn't see much of the game. I, mean, I saw clips, but I mean, it's like that's the kind of game where we talked about Forrester for some paths. This is a game where somebody, I know Lopez was the hero in, in Bergen, but this is where, where Jack Bourne, I think, will look at this to say, a lot of players sometimes, I think, look at games like that. Keith Fahey was a bit like that with Pats run 10 years ago, that this is my chance. I know when Forrester, when Pats were playing Hanover, Chris Forrester kind of felt the same. This is this is my stage. I want I know there's people watching this. And I think Jack Bourne will, will feel like that. He's had a lot of knocks, a lot of blows, a lot of questions about him the last couple of years. He had the boost there early the season when McCarthy saw him against uh, Sligo and called him up. Mm. But th- this is his chance. And that's what people always feel, that in terms of how you judge a player, um, Clubs will not foreign clubs will not sign somebody on the basis of how they do in the domestic league because they do not feel that Finn Harps, UCD, or Cork City will give you enough of a test. It's how you do against a good side like that. So St. Pat's haven't done it, but if somebody like Jack Bourne is serious about progressing his career, I think this is a chance for him. I think Jack Bourne will will go out there and say, "I'm going to do this. I'm going to take this game mm. by the scruff of the neck. I I am going to dominate this. I'm going to dominate this game." He'll be the man looking to take this at pieces. He mo- takes most of them anyway. I know Kavanagh scored from a free kick. Sean Kavanagh scored from a free kick recently, but I think it's it's Jack Bourne's chance to just take the game by the scruff of the neck and show Europe what what a player he can be. And just finally, the strength of their bench as well, without Farouja even being available, and Aaron McIniff is just coming back. Watts came on. That could really be key as well. Yeah, I mean the the back four, you know. Picks itself the midfield. That's that's always going to be. Uh, and for for Bradley, what does he do with with McAniff? Uh, Cummins, did, you know, it's going to take him time to bed in. Green would have more experience in terms of he's been he's been at the club longer. He's more experience in Europe. He's played played an awful lot of games in Europe. It's funny you say fours when they went three at the back actually uh, in Brand, which was a new departure, and played. Um Two wing backs, okay, yeah, 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 which was I don't, I actually can't remember what the last time he played that. It was a fairly bold move to do, but obviously just felt it might suit that particular game. Yeah, man, they got away because you know mm. the, the two 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 away goals and and Pico Lopez got got them out of jail at the end. But you know Bradley has the has the has the, the track record for doing that. Sometimes he's not nailed down. He's not just wedded to the way somebody like Liam Buckley was wedded to a formation mm. that he played that way. No matter what happened, he's going to play that way. Bradley can play play different ways. So the fact that he has options in midfield, I think he really is going to going to think and how how do you get your best players on the fact that you got somebody like Gary O'Neill on the bench for Ujia, who they don't have the moment but McAniff do, do, do you bring him back in how, how fit can he be what do you do up front uh, you know do you work Carr for, 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 for 60 minutes and hope hope Carr can, can, can break them down or do you go for, for Cummins um, it'll be one of them I think it's midfield is, is where they win it do you think they get through I think they will yeah yeah. Mm. but it, it will be it'll be nervous and early goal for, I can see Brand scoring early uh, so it is good. It's going to be. I think Rovers will get through. I think uh, Dundalk will get through, but I think the other two are gone. Might mightn't be fair to say to Bowes fans, or whatever. But if you are uh, available, try to go along to the game. I think it's very important for the coefficient and for Irish football in general because there is a very strong chance none of the four teams are going to get through. That's in the danger area. It's an equaliser right at the death from Shamrock Rovers, and this time it is Pico Lopez who scores. It's two-two. A minute of injury time to play. The perfect delivery from Jack Byrne once again. And there is that man, Roberto Lopez. And we're now going to welcome Emma Connachton, who's the player development manager of the PFAI, new to the role, and Stephen McGuinness, fairly regular guest on the show from the PFAI. How are you getting on, guys? Good, yeah. Good. Just back from Sligo. Yeah. Just, just landed. What was happening in Sligo? Uh, just a club visit. Um, we've done, I think it's six or seven. Today was number six. Yeah, so we've done the six club visits in the last, just over a week. Uh, so we've been to Derry, we've been to Waterford, Bowes, Shells, uh, Bray, Sligo today. Mm. So um, just, we, we do three club visits a year. This is the, mid, the middle visit. 
um, and uh, we've heard obviously Emma as a player development manager, so it's important that um, we introduce it to the to the players, um, to the squads, and and uh, for her to give an outline on what the service that she's going to provide to the to the players. Emma, I was doing a bit of research on you. You you tell us about your involvement with the American football team from Ireland. This is something that I used to be mad into NFL, and I was always wondering what went on in Ireland. Then I kind of half lost interest, but I was like, maybe you can enlighten me on. What's, what's going on there? I'm going to need to know who you support in the NFL before Jets. I answer. Mm. No good. I'll, Just, all I'll my accept teams, it. Yeah, all the, every team I support is basically <laughs> shite. Like, oh, you know, have never won anything. The Jets Jets won the Super Bowl, Edo, in 60... Don't know, Joe That's Namath. The wrong man, though. Um, mm. But anyway, yeah. So it's not just one team in Ireland. There's 22 or 23 teams in the country, six in Dublin, two in Belfast, and then pretty much every other team has a county to themselves. Um, there's three divisions. The team that I coach is the South Dublin Panthers based in Lucan. And we're actually, we're in the semi-finals for the first time wow. in club history this Sunday coming and we're going down to Cork to play the national, current national champions. Um, I'm pumped. Pum- and could an NFL least. game come to Ireland, do you think? No, because I'm pretty sure there's some um, con- contracts in place that London will be the only place to hold them. But the college games. Mm, I are, remember Notre yeah. Dame being over here, yeah. Yeah, well, there's a four-year deal now from 2020 onwards. I think it's four years for college games to be hosted in Ireland. So so your role in the PFEI, player development, um, yeah. it, obviously, I, I guess it's kind of self-explanatory, but is this a new departure for the PFEI? Or? I think it's something that's been on the agenda for quite a while. Mm. But actually being able to offer the service on a full-time basis is certainly new. I'm not sure that everyone really understands what player development is. I think when I'm talking to people who are maybe involved in the league at the moment, they're assuming that I'm talking about developing their skills as a player um, because everyone's familiar with the, t- you know, the talent pathway and that's what they consider player development. Whereas what I'm looking at is really their off-field stuff. It's about their life after sports, it's about their education, it's about their own personal development. Yeah, actually, we were just talking off air about Garrett Farley, and he's been kind of in the news a lot. And Edo, this is so significant, and players having something outside of football to sort of look forward to and to be able to develop as people as well. It's huge because the the scare stories um, after football for the not not League of Ireland level or low level, for high level in terms of what happens to players in terms of losing, and usually it's the divorce that cleans them out. The amount of players, particularly in the US, you know all about this. The amount mm-hmm. of athletes who are on twenty million dollar year contracts and end up. Uh, end up penniless because they can't they can't manage their money. They they the problem with football and, and it's probably the same with American sports is that they go into it as children. You you become more or less a footballer at fifteen, and, and you leave still with the mentality of a of a fifteen year old and the training and the the attributes and what you what other people learn in life when you go through college. You've a, most footballers they won't have had a, correct me if I'm wrong, Stephen. They won't have had a summer job because they're so focused on football. The things you learn in life, you go to college, you do projects. You know, you do internships, all of that. You haven't done that as a footballer, and then at 33, 34, you, you don't know what to do. And mm. the, the the problems after, um, in terms of, of mental health, in terms of, of money, y- how you deal with that. And I know Stephen's spoken with this before. I think you mentioned that you, you worried that player all players were going into becoming uh, personal trainers or working in gyms, and and that was a worry because there's only so much business. business. Market. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. so somebody like Garrett Farley, a lot of play, play, some players have done different things. Garrett's gone down the legal route. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he went back. He, he trained as a lawyer, and obviously he had his own part of that was sparked by his own difficulties as as a player in terms of problems he had with Cork City and and a realization of that, and not enough players do that. They they it, to me it's it's mental. So meeting somebody like like Emma and having that spelled out to you, and those players need to need to read more but a lot of them they're, they're told all this and they don't they don't understand uh, they, they don't they don't take it in mind you, you think it'll never happen to you you think you won't be the one who gets divorced you won't be the one who's finished at 27 because of injury you think you won't be the one who has 
uh, you know, mental health problems, you think it won't be you. Emma, as well, like say if you're you're a Dublin-based player now, you're you're being. I, I guess you you might have a, a place that, that the club has given you, or you're renting a place. After football, you're living in Dublin. Mm. Um, it's an extremely expensive place to live. You're probably not earning a fortune in the League of Ireland. You got to have something to go to. Yeah, absolutely. You have to have a plan for afterwards. I think what we're seeing in the club visits is that most people are looking at us and nodding, saying, "I actually haven't thought about it at all, let alone have a plan." So what I'm trying to tell athletes is that. I have a list of everything you should be thinking about. And you just have to drop me an email and say, I want to meet and I'll take it from there. I'll guide you through the process. That's kind of what this role is. Mm. Um, and it'll be really practical things like what social support you have? What's your current level edu- of education? What's your long-term career plan? Are you more interested in a career or do you just want a job so that you can you know, have t- free time to d- pursue other interests? And then what education level matches your aspiration salary or career-wise? And it's just really practical stuff. The stats were the the one thing, Johnny, that that really sort of drove us to to get a full-time person in. I think Ollie might have mentioned on this show... Ollie Cahill, yeah. Yeah, 30% of players only had a junior set of the 198 that we surveyed in the Premier Division. Emma, we've done another one early part of this year where 45% of the players hadn't thought about what was happening at the end of their careers. 45%. That's a hugely worrying figure for us. Yeah, so a lot of time to be thinking as well, do you yeah, know? Like no, they do, yeah. But, <laughs> but the reality, that's, that's the figures we've got. It's the life so, to live. Yeah, so Emma's then put it, put another survey together uh, now to, to, to tease out them a little bit more on what's the expectation of what, what they want to do. And, and Emma's working hard on that now over the, or has done in the last couple of weeks. And... and uh, and it, look, it, this isn't going to happen overnight. And, and the reality from our, from our perspective is, this is one person, Emma. We've 300 professional footballers. So for this really to work, we're going to need assistance from government, we're going to need assistance from the federation to roll this out. If you look at the rugby, who have less professional players, they have a, a player development manager in each province. We've got one to cover 300. Like mm. We've been driving the length and breadth of Ireland for a week and a half now just to try and cover it. Just it's nearly impossible. And Ollie's, uh, yeah. Ollie Cattle, the three of us have been Road trying trips. To, uh, yeah, it's yeah. tough, like, but... The reality on this is if we really want to build it, the long-term plan is to have one in every province and two in Leinster. That would be the ideal scenario. And we have to be able to prove that it works. Emma's role is, is to prove that this will work, that it will assist players. We would love it to expand it out to young lads going to England to ensure they're prepared for what's going, to set networks up with families that who've had kids who've gone abroad, that the network is there, that families can understand the, the troubles or the problems that young players face when they're coming back, that that network is there for them um, and that we have that assistance in place. So these are the long-term stuff, but short-term, we have to start working on the ground now. And and as Aidan said as well, like I mean, Gareth Farley is an example. Gareth is now uh, with Stuart Cahooley earlier now on cast. The two of them are on cast together on the FIFA's banner. And I would have represented Gareth and issues at, at Cork and, and he was somebody who, who, who saw that uh, football was got him so far. He saw the problems he had in his own career and wanted to give a little bit back. Um, so the one thing that sort of come out and Emma might go into it now is, is mentoring. It's been interesting that, that players feel more that they could open up to, to, to former players who are mentors of theirs to talk them through what they've done to go in their, uh, uh, sort of at the end of their career. So if you want to just give a little bit on that. Yeah, I suppose we've been at the club visits asking people would they be interested in speaking to somebody who's already retired about what they're up to and how they went about it. And would they also be interested in mentoring a younger player about the transition into the sport? And uh, I think about 72% of them have come back now out of the 110 or so that we've spoken to and said they absolutely would love to speak to somebody who's already been through it. Now, there's a few uh, people who are saying, you know, I really want to be matched up properly with somebody who's doing something like I did, but other people saying I want to hear from somebody who didn't do it right. Mm. 
and and how that came about. I, I, Key's getting people to listen. I, last year I had a long conversation with Key Tracy, who who did it all, played for Ireland, played in the Premier League, played a bit of League of Ireland when he came back and was more or less out of football by, by 28, 29. And he, so his experience, he was in Blackburn, in the first team at Blackburn. They brought two players in. So Premier League player on a very good wage, they brought two people in from the PFA who, who weren't financial advisors. They were ex-pros to talk to them about the pitfalls of money, how to manage your money. And he said he, did, he was staring out the window, he was looking at his watch, he just thought, I want to get out of here. I didn't, he didn't want to listen, even though it was for his benefit. And he's looking back, 10 years, a few years later, looking back, why didn't I listen? They were there trying to help me. But my footballer attitude was, get me out of here, this is like school, I didn't, didn't want to be here. So getting them to listen is key. To me, the FAI, you're feeling a role that the FAI should have. There's not a lot of debate at the moment where the FAI should be doing this. There, people often say there's no register of players when they come back from England. There's no form you fill in. There's nowhere to fill in. Also, uh, the role, and I, I spoke to Owen Hand about this recently, his, his own difficulties with the FAI when he was career guidance officer, a position that was more or less ended when, when they cancelled his contract in 2012. That position was never properly filled. There may be somebody in there who are fulfilling those roles, but there isn't a full-time career guidance officer in, in the FAI, somebody who you can go to, to the, the battles that Owen, Owen Hand fought for players in terms of, of bullying, money, racism, all the problems that, that, that players experience in England, homesickness, loneliness, difficulties, trying to get education. You want to do your education, but your UT manager is giving you grief because you're, you're, you're spending time studying that you should be playing. That's a role that, that, that the FAI should, should be filling, and that's a role that's been lost for, for eight, seven, eight years now. How do you finance him as rolled in within the PFL? Yeah, we, we were lucky that um, FIFRO ourselves and seven other countries got got together through an EU uh, Mind the Gap campaign. Um, so funding, and there was some funding that came from that and then we part funded it as well for 18 months. So obviously our our goal here is, is to, on the 18 months that Emma's with us, is to look at revenue streams that we can bring in to ensure the role is long term and then can we build on it and, and have more people as player development managers. But back to what uh, Aidan was saying, he's right. Uh, not only was Owen Hand's role around, and it's key this is, not only was his role around developing players, his role was around assisting clubs in regards to training compensation. And part of the presentation that went on the weekend was um, talking about how clubs can be better in regards to getting training compensation for the talent that we move out of our country. We don't have anybody negotiating on behalf of half of our clubs. A, a number of our clubs don't even realise that they're entitled to the money. And Owen Hand's role within that... whatever is staggering, it, really, isn't yeah, it? With, yeah, it is. But with, 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 with him gone, and I'm not... I'm not here to say whether he should be gone or shouldn't be gone. That's nothing to do with it. I'm talking about the role. And the role needs... There, there definitely needs to be somebody in that role, but somebody assisting the clubs and right to educate them into what they're entitled to when the players go abroad. Mm. I've, I've often wondered... Um, it's, it's this kind of crude analogy here, but if North Korea's um, system fell apart in the morning, I think it would be absolute chaos how the country would recover after the years of, of what North Korea has been. At, at a more local level, what is it like trying to deal with the post sort of the FEI that we knew and the chaos that seems to be the last few months and trying to recover um, and get us off to some sort of secure footing? Because I imagine just there's so much there that was didn't happen, shouldn't should have happened, but didn't happen. Maybe stuff that was sort of swept under the carpet, and obviously your own relationship with them was seemingly poisonous, really. Yeah, um, it's been it's been an interesting uh, couple of weeks. It's interesting because Emma's only started; she only sees. Gee, these people are very helpful, aren't they? Everybody's coming into the office where, where they're talking. There's developments. There's you're, you're get you look like you're gonna have two positions on council and and all this stuff, and obviously. I'm trying to see through Emma how she sees it and then trying to, I'm conditioned in such a way to be so suspicious of the FAI. I'm just conditioned that way because of 12 years of what we've gone through. And it has been difficult. There's a part of me that, that 
that says that we have to start working together to bring it forward. I have to try and get better working conditions for our members. We have to try and bring the game forward. But it, it, that niggles in your mind that is this real now? So the people I'm dealing with, the Noel Moonies, the, the Donald Conways, the ones I'm seeing face-to-face now and I deal with every day, uh, is this real? And the, in the short term right now, yes, it does. It looks like we have a new FAI, a different way. But that has to be proven over a longer period of time. You have to be very, very wary, though. Like no, no, course, no course, uh, and Conway. It's not know, like they've come uh, from know, a different uh, jurisdiction. Yeah, every, everything you have to be, right? But I'm just saying right now, the dealings that I have had in the, in the last weeks and months are dramatically different. I can't tell you how Could they be any worse? They couldn't have been any worse. We're starting at a low base, by the way. Mm. I agree with you on that. But you can only work with what, you're, what, what I'm dealing with now. And it is a million times better, right? So, so that's where that piece of it is. Have we made huge progress in things so far? We're making little steps, but we're making steps forward. The, the difference seemed to be the weekend, and, and, and I was there, and, 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 um, and Aidan was there for the press conference afterwards. It's the very first time I've ever been in a room with the clubs, ever, which is a starting point. So we're starting to get a relationship where we understand um, what the other side, what the difficulties they face, and they don't understand the difficulties that we face. But that has never been the case. Everybody was divided, and everybody was seen to go head-to-head on everything because that seemed to be the regime that we were in. The regime now is a difficult one because you're conditioned in such a way to believe, now we're all going to work together for one goal, which is the, always the way it should have been. And for me to say that, people are probably listening going, should that not the way it's supposed to work? Yeah. But it didn't, right? Now, yeah. now I know that people are going to be, and the Donald Conways and the, the, the Noel Moonies, they're in now. I'm dealing with Noel directly now. And he, he has an, a, a way about him to disarm people. It's just is that he, a good or a bad thing? Well, it, he's been able to get people into a room over two days the weekend, and there was no massive row. It was us all talking about what way are we going forward. The clubs realising where they are in the food chain. So where you're Dundalk, you're going to compete for the league. If you're Cabin Tilly, you're going to be a feeder club potentially into Shamrock Rovers. So there seemed to be in the room a better understanding of where we all are. Um, that hasn't been there before. So look, it's little steps. Nobody's saying that this is going to be what we the utopia but we have to take the step somewhere. Just on that, it was David Rowe, the Sligo treasurer, who was speaking on the RT podcast today, though, and um, he referenced that divide and conquer with Stephen. Again, this is symptomatic of an autocratic regime. Divide and conquer in, in a football family that really should be all towards pushing towards to make football better in this country. And that's what the... the, the, the cons- you know, was basically taught that that was the best way for the organisation to work was to divide and conquer, it, and that's it, the mess we're left with now. The, the ethos of, of of the FAI for for ten twelve years was not not just in terms of relation to the league, in terms of everything else was we know we tell you what to do, and if you if there was any dissent, a disagreement was seen as weakness, and anybody who was a dissenter disagreed was as you can see people like Owen Hand and Brian Kerr. Any there was no voice for 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 difference. And what what is encouraging? I was in the room on on, on Sunday when 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 for the, the press conference afterwards, and the people who were there, Stephen was there representing players, uh, Neva Manny was there representing supporters. Um, Stephen Henderson was there representing the managers. I think over the weekend there was rep- representative of the referees. That th- those groups, they're key stakeholders in the game, and they had no they had no voice. So, if you're a manager and you're having an issue, or, as Stephen Henderson did over maybe not getting pay- paid, even issue over your, your separation from your club, or or your problem with a pitch that you you go to, you, you go to play somewhere and that the pitch is unplayable but you still have to go up and play where, where do you go players you know uh, players still say about facilities you know the, the lack of toilets you know is there hot is there hot water no showers no food after training where, where can they go and that that it's blindingly obvious that they should have had a role and had a voice for for 10 years and they didn't because the, the ethos of the organization was don't we, we know what we're doing you don't 
don't you dare. And and th these words, bringing the game into disrepute was the most chilling. You were talking about North Korea. That's what happened to managers. That's what happened to players when, they, when the FAI people, their job was to scour managers' programme notes. I mean, that's how... Enemy of the state type That's job. That's what it was. And that somebody's mm -hmm. job was that to get all the club programmes on a Monday morning, go through them and see what managers said. And you'd man I remember Tony Cousins was threatened with bringing the game into disrepute for, because of a comment he made about, about facilities. That, that was North Korean. That, that was a, a Stalinist uh, attitude. And if that changes and to give people a voice and to give managers so is it Stephen Henderson representing I know it's broken this is the third formation of the League Managers Association it's nothing like the one they have in England but that they have a voice so they have a member who's been sacked by a club or hasn't been paid up or has an issue over they take him in his club car that he has somewhere to go in, and he, he can be in the room uh, as, as the players can now so it is positive but whether it lasts and whether it's meaning, we still have to see. What was it like for you as a journalist? Because I'm not a football journalist week in, week out. You were, and you had to deal with the FAI as it was. What was it like? Because it seemed hard to get any actual story out there because it was just seemed such a closed shop. It, it was, but it, it was down us because mm. th this is the way, and, and you know, situation at the moment where it was EG, uh, AGM a couple of years ago, Kenny, where you know the security around the media. Um, in the hotel, they were kept on a separate floor. They were held back by security. You, you wouldn't see it at, at a Sinn Féin or DS or a DUP annual conference. Mm. It, it was absolutely that's the way everybody was kept at, at, at and players. Everybody else there was an e the ethos was we know what we're doing. That that came from the top. That was defined by the top. It filtered down from the board through the council. We we know what we're doing. Anybody who dissents about that, the, the players were the fact that Stephen worked in the, the same building as, as John Delaney and was it six years he went to without having a meeting where. Nobody had when when player the, the the reaction when players piped up or whatever said something. The same with the women's team. The FAI's response to the women's team issue was not to deal with the issue in terms of how the women were being treated. It was the fact that it became public. That was their their anger. And mm. you had a situation where a letter from signed by three FAI officials threatening their futures with the women's team because they went public with their stance. That is why we're in trouble because everything we have to keep everything in house, and that can't become part of this new thing where Stephen says he, you know, he wants to deal with deal with people. You can't get back to everything where it's a group of men, and it is mainly men. I know Neva Manny was there. You can't get back to a situation where a group of men get together in rooms and sort everything out from football. You need to have dissent. You need to have, and not everybody's going to get on. It was mentioned at, at the, the meeting at the weekend. One thing that was brought up, for example, that wasn't agreed on was it was suggested by some of the smaller clubs that the European revenue be filtered down to the other clubs, that a portion of it be set aside so everybody gets. That's a bit of it, so that was shot down by the bigger clubs because they feel we've worked hard. Shamrock Rovers in Cork City, uh, Dundalk, uh, St Pat's will feel that we, we worked hard to, to get into Europe. Why should we give it to a club who, who underachieved or who mm. failed? So, but at, at least at least talk about it, at least debate it instead of having decided from the top. But you have to be very, very wary. Stephen said he's conditioned that there isn't the change that needs to be there because you know Noel Mooney has obviously strong links to Delaney from the past. There are other characters who are still knocking around um, and people who are, I would argue, are rightly fearful that this radical change won't happen. No, you, you need a change of ethos, a change of thought, that if, if your institution, uh, you could see that in, in the Oireachtas hearing, the, the performance of the FAI uh, people that day was absolutely shambolic, one of the worst public performances by any organisation I've seen in, in, in a decade because their institution was to protect the institution. It was a bit like the, the attitude of the Catholic Church during the scandals. D d don't don't do all the analogies. No, but today, don't, yeah. don't deal with you. Defend defend the institution. That that we're we're right at the end of the day. Instead of saying, you know what, actually, we, we why is there no dissenter? Why is everybody in the board? Why are we unanimously approving things? The, the FAL and the, what worries me a bit about the changes, and it's been mentioned already that the governance reform governance review has to be unanimously approved. The FAI have been unanimously approving things for 15 years mm. and look where it got us. So mm. you have to have voice, you have to have dissent. Maybe you, you don't get your way. You know, we've all, people have been on committees 
where you you speaker you mightn't get your way at least you get you get the right to have your say and if you have your say you're not removed from the committee you're still back at the the committee next time so it does need a, a, a change in ethos and if the FAI revert to type it doesn't look good the fact that the the incoming uh, president it will be elected unopposed. The FAI will argue his reasons for it, but still, the the optics of somebody who's been on the board for fourteen years coming in unelected as as uh, president of the new reformed FAI, the optics of that do not look good. So it does need a change in ethos where you accept dissent, you accept criticism, and that you know if a player pipes up and says, you know, I'm not a, play, a group of players say, you know, we played in X ground last week and there was no no hot water or that there was no the, the toilet was was blocked or we we couldn't we couldn't use the toilet. Mm that you have somewhere to go and the people say, you know what, you're right, I'm going to listen to you. Instead of the, the reaction for 10 years has been to punish the player for saying that, to punish the manager, uh, to punish the manager for saying something in his club notes, to listen and to say, you know what, you're, you're right, actually, you're right, mm. we, we got it wrong there. That ground shouldn't that, have been improved. Yeah, and that goes to, and, and that really goes to the eight, at the heart of it. There, is n- there has never been a platform for players, for managers, for coaches, for supporters. There's been no platform. The FAU haven't provided you with a platform. Now, the new structures, if, if come true, mean that supporters players have a platform now. So you have a platform where there's true council and you have football management committees and you have other committees that there's now a platform to do, to to bring forward issues. And in a new league, what I was worried about the weekend was the clubs go off now at the end of July, I think it's 30 or whatever, meet up. They come back then having talked about what the presentation they got the weekend. That's the eight clubs. Um, yes, yeah. exactly. That So they go out and come back. They, they cannot then come back and decide, yeah, we're going to do this with the league. This has to be done in consultation with everybody. And that's that's my little concern is you have to keep the stakeholders around and keep them part of it. But the FAI should have been facilitating a game that we are all part of. Not a dictatorship, but that what was going on. It should have been that we were all part of the decision-making and felt part of it. Okay, you're never going to get your own way all the time. But you are part of the decision-making. Like, we want the standard for our league. We want minimum amount of professionals at every club. We want uh, players paid, uh, holiday pay. We want the basics so that when players, young players come and look at our sport, they go, oh, that's, that's real. Like That's a proper, I can make a proper living. There's a minimum wage. Like That's the stuff we're asking for. Like I think Aidan Rowe at the weekend, he said that clubs will be scared by the minimum wage and he's probably right. Like, But isn't that a terrible indictment mm. of, the, of the league that we'll mm. be scared by the minimum wage? Unfortunately though, if you, if you're a league that has no prize money and no TV money, clubs, yeah. like as, as Rowe was saying, the business model for Sligo Rovers is obviously it's, basket case. It's crazy. But there's no yeah. money coming into the league. So yeah. how, how is a club in a town of 20,000 people are trying to pay, um, whatever, six or 700 quid a week to a player, whatever it is, it doesn't make any sense. So yeah. they have to cobble together money. Yeah. How have you found it so far, Emma, talking to players? Like, you're coming in at, a, at an interesting time anyway. I suppose, thankfully, money is out of my remit. Um, mm. So I don't have to talk to people about their wage or their contract or their working conditions. I'm really preparing them for their life after the sport. Um it is a concern for them when I'm looking through the forums. People are worried about providing for their families in their life after sport. But I suppose I'm talking to them about, you know, what's your next step? What sort of lifestyle do you want? Are you going to be happy sitting at a desk nine to five or do you need to be out and about? Um, I think the guys have been quite clear with the players that I'm there to talk to them about their personal development and mm. they're there for the yeah. the contract stuff. What did you make of the two of you? What did you make of the weekend? Uh, the, the seminar the two mm. days. Um, from from our perspective, very positive. I think I was excited, and you said it there, Johnny. We've been told forever that you, 
the, the league isn't good enough. You're not going to be able to get a TV deal. You can't get a title sponsor. This is what we've been told for years, like by the people who run the game uh, uh, in the FAO. Uh, look, you're lucky to have what you have. So I think Neil O'Riordan did Neil O'Riordan say that um, Mooney even said that the TV money could actually be more than what Kieran Lucid was saying in that. Yeah, he, he could be even more ambitious. I think that was in the piece today. Yeah, he he did. But that's what we've been told for. So so you're told that this is, and you're lucky to be getting what you're getting. If we you're get, told that often enough as well, you do believe, believe it. it. So then we got two presentations the weekend. One which was Noel Quinn's, which is a more a resource-based um, uh, idea. And then Kieran Lucid, who, who gave a really, really, really good presentation with details of figures and facts. And, and I, I thought it was fantastic, his presentation. But the two groups have some really, really strong people involved in it. And it excites you when you see people that are bo- on, on both sides of it who are proper people within their business, proper people within sport, have a real interest and, and you're sitting there, as I was, uh, as a representative of the players, feeling proud of, for, for one, sitting in a room going, do you know what? This actually is real. Like, this not is downtrodden. Not downtrodden, not being told, no, you can't have this. You've been told, you've been sh- shortchanged for years. And Noel Mooney said the same, been shortchanged for years. We need to get it better, and we can get it better. And it excited me. We've been at the clubs today. We're down in, in Sligo today. And the, the players, are, and, and the players obviously in Dirty, are the only over the moon to say, yeah, we're going to have new grounds to go to potentially. We're going to have earn, potentially earn more money. Uh, our games are going to be on TV. We have a proper industry. We have potential of a proper industry. Now, look, we're still a bit away from it. There's still a good bit of work to be done on both projects. Uh, I think that's clear. There's, there's a lot of work still to be done. But suddenly, we're talking about the league in a positive way, which is something that we haven't yeah. done for, for seven a- or eight years. Edo, you have a very healthy scepticism about all of this. Well, one, one of the problems is, and it's part of the whole background of Irish football, because Irish football has been divided for so long, you have the schoolboy section, junior, amateur football section, uh, League of Ireland, the three main groups, but it was said by I think it was Martin Connolly at the weekend that uh, from Dundalk, Dundalk that the, yeah. the League of Ireland has to be front and centre of 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 the new of football in Ireland. And there is when when people in schoolboy clubs in particular hear that they they raise up because they feel that they have run their they've run their scene well for for fifty years. They provided all the players for the international team. It's the League of Ireland clubs who've gone bust, who wasted all the money on players. So again, you're you're would we start from here you know you know you're, you're starting from a very difficult starting point there, there is skepticism and that will raise people up when, when schoolboy people hear that front and center they go hang on where, where did where did jeff Hendrick and robbie brady where did all these guys come from they come from league of ireland clubs they came from the schoolboy clubs we're the ones who produce these so that that is a, a culture change you're looking at I, what do you th- make of lucid and quinn and all of the you know proposals and consortiums and so th- on there's good elements in both of them i think the, the quinn one is still very sketchy on the details and the, the the strength of the Quinn one seems to be the people involved. He has some very, very heavy hitters and people with good ideas. And new, new people are coming in from the outside who have an interest in football. Uh, the, the detail, I haven't seen enough detail yet. The Lucid one, I think, is 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 interesting. But I, I think it's been too rushed. I think thoughts of having an all-island all league, it's not going to be all-Ireland, all-island league, we need to be careful, I think is... I think it's fanciful to think 21. You think but fanciful? Uh, I think, well, you know, see what happens on October 31st. We have no idea what state relations that you're talking about having one of the suggestions is that that in in this new company that the offices will be in in belfast i think that's the concession already because that was the 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 setting for football when football was set up in ireland with offices or with meetings in dublin um but how that work and you know when when, if we do have a have a hard border i think that that it's it's a it's a bad time to uh we to, wouldn't to want lads rushing to the podcast and held over the board to be, to be trying to, to no. trying to bring bring in change there, there are element elements there but i think trying to trying to rush i think an acceptance Do you of want an all Ireland league. I, I I think it should be looked at, but I think you need. I I think it's it's too southern heavy. I think I don't think they've they have spoken to people in, in the Irish league. I don't think they've spoken to enough of them. Enough details. Certainly, fee- feedbacks from supporters in, in in the Irish league in the north seems to be they're not so keen on it. 
they like things the way they are. Now, maybe it needs to change as well. The Irish League isn't, isn't thriving. They're, 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 I think, fourth bottom in terms of European performances. They're going to lose one of the European places. So can you allow stagnate? Do, do they need to be forced to say, look, we, we need to change here. We're a small island. Uh, we need All-Ireland League. I don't think it's essential. I don't think it's pe- people don't stay up at night looking for an All-Ireland, All-Ireland League. I don't think it's necessarily the, the cure. The other things that we're talking about, the basic standards, having a TV deal, this, this insane idea where you look at matches on, on Sky, you might have a match on Friday night from League 1, League 2. You know that that club have got a very hefty match fee from Sky for showing their game. League of Ireland is probably the only league in Europe where it costs you money because you forced to play, I think it was last year, Finn Harps had to play Dundalk at, at 5 o'clock on a Saturday to suit TV. It costs them money in terms of the gate. You, you don't get a fee. Yeah. It, 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 all, all these things have to change. Prop, look at other things first. Look at the standards that... that you know, the, the standards of grounds, you know, the, the players that are looked after, supporters, that's very important as well. The supporters have a voice in this because they're the ones who, who know what it's like to be at the away end in the shed end in Daily Mount where, the, you know, the facilities aren't great or the, the section for away fans in Oriel Park. I know they spruced it, um, spruced it up a bit recently, but still that those facilities aren't, aren't good enough and that those supporters... Are, so they're the things that I, I would look at more than... I don't think an All-Ireland League is necessarily going to save it. But it depends what's behind it. If, if there is money behind it, if there is a genuine TV deal that can be looked at, but an All-Ireland League isn't necessarily going to save Irish football. Do, do, do we can't stay with what we've got, though. Like, yeah. We cannot yeah. stay with what we've got. The only thing is, though, what, we, what we've got is the SSC electricity sponsor putting in money that we don't even know what they're putting into the league. We've yeah. no TV money. And... The league is probably actually, clubs are probably actually losing money if you add up what they're putting into, into licensing fees and all that and what they're getting back. That's how impoverished they were and how downtrodden they were and how they were used to being treated like absolute crap by the FAI. And it's, it's utterly disgraceful that the league has be, been shat upon by the, mm. by the top and let run. And now you just hear little things like, oh, we could get a million quid for a TV deal and people think this is fanciful. And I'm like, how is this fanciful? It's 160 million for five years in the SPL. Take away Scott... Like, if, Celtic and Rangers apart, the SPL is little or no better than the League of Ireland, to my mind. 160 million, a league that a lot of people frown upon, and we were getting nothing, absolutely yeah. nothing. You've Google, Amazon, Facebook, you've all these tech giants with billions of euro in this country, where it's a very rich country, and we, we think that it's okay that this league can survive on Sligo Rovers fans basically putting money together. Yeah, I think the transparency was the one word that came out the weekend, and, and I think from what Noel Mooney as general manager said that there will be complete transparency what has gone on before wasn't wasn't acceptable and that there will be complete transparency I think the clubs echoed it over the weekend that they need transparency they need to know what's going on they need to know what monies are coming in when they're going to receive them when they come out and I think that was what came out for me anyway sitting there for the two days was that the clubs want to know exactly what's happening Um, you just cannot stick with what we've got okay now I'm I would have been sceptical of an All-Ireland League before I, I, sp- I spoke to Karen Lewis and before I saw the presentations the weekend. But from what I see in the weekend, um, I, if the IFA and, the, and NILF, uh, I think he's already spoken to a number of clubs in R2, if they were on board for it, this has a real chance. Mm. If, if they come on board, I think the FAI will, will, will go along with the clubs if our clubs want it. I think UEFA, from, from what you see, would, would buy into it if, if everybody wanted it. Now, there has been trials of this with women's football in Belgium and Holland and it didn't go quite successful because the Dutch teams were too strong. There's an argument to hearsay that we need to be protected that our clubs, the League of Ireland clubs, wouldn't become too strong and the Northern teams would fall out of relegation and promotion. They've built in a mechanism to try and ensure that that doesn't happen. So, look, it, it, we do need a change. There's no two ways around it. It has to change. You can't stick with what we've got. Um, and the next couple of weeks and months, uh, and I think it will be a short time. I don't. This, is, this isn't going to roll on for six and seven months not knowing. I think there's going to be a decision on this, I would think, before the cup final. 
Do you think it'll happen in 2021 that there'll be an All Ireland League? Uh, if you were to bet going to the head, job? no. If I said to you six months, if you said to me six months, I would have said no chance, absolutely no chance. But what I've seen and, and the appetite in the room, and again, I was down in Sligo today, and uh, David Rowe spoke to spoke to the players with me there. I mean, there's an appetite there for it, absolutely. Edo, I don't think so. I think it, Brexit wasn't on the table. I think it'd be easier, but nobody knows what's going to happen. I think to rush into it without knowing the implications of, of how it's going to go. Um, a lot depends on, on, on whether you wait for on board. Uh, European places is going to be huge. How do you handle the European places? Um, what, what there do you were three UEFA people at the yeah, thing at the weekend. Yeah. There, yeah. So do, do, do they make a concession to say, you know, you, you're looking at it's uh, eight at the moment, we'll be down to seven between the, the two leagues. You know, UEFA can't, can't sustain that. Now, again, but Europe is changing. You know, Mooney spoke at the weekend about the third tier Euro, Euro, yeah, Euro, yeah. Europa League 2. Mm. Is, is there a way of doing that? I it could happen, but I don't think it'll happen in the time frame we're looking for. But I think Kieran Lucid, I don't think he's welded to that, as in it has to happen by 1st of January he is, he isn't a very patient man. I, I know from, like, he's move, move, move. No, he doesn't want to wait 10 years. But I think yeah. if, if he if he, if he he sees movement, if he sees progress, I don't think there has to be, you know, Sean McGraw was playing Linfield in the first game, the new season on whatever, the 3rd of March 2021. I don't think that's essential. But I think what Kieran Lewis, he doesn't want to spend 10 years going back to folks groups and everything else. He wants to see how much interest there is. He, is, he has people behind him. Um, but I do think that you can't... Uh, I just think you have to be very, very, very careful, particularly dealing with, with Northern Ireland, that they have their traditions. Uh, a lot of the, some of the clubs up there are, are better run. You look at the, the resources that, that Linfield have. Um, I think it has huge potential. We, we don't think about, you know, the, the Gaelic football as, there's no element of cross-border. You know, Dublin think nothing of, of the same going to play Tyrone as it's going to, going to play Galway. It's, an, it's, not a big, it's not a big deal. What we're changing here is a hundred years of, of history. Uh, they have strong traditions in, in, in the Irish League. I don't sense, sense any great appetite from, from people up there, from, from supporters, but I think maybe they need to be... What, what, if you show them what it can be, you're talking about matches live, live on live on TV, a proper TV deal in in proper stadiums with sponsors who can roll in behind it, not what you have at the moment. The model at the moment is clearly broken in Northern Ireland because if you're gonna, their, their performance in Europe are poor, they will lose one of the European places. The, the model isn't good. The model in, in, down south isn't good because, you know, uh, what's 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 happened over the last ten years. So it, it can be, but I I think if if Kieran Lucid gets a promise from people that it could happen and that the the gauge level of interest maybe, but don't expect I wouldn't expect to see. Uh, to see it by, by 2020. Well, somebody mentioned that uh, partition, the fact that it's 100 years of partition, partition, that uh, as if it's something celebrating. So uh, <laughs> that maybe that's one of your problems at the start. Do you, do you, do you celebrate or, uh, or regret the fact that we have partitions? So bit, bit, you, of, bit of column A, bit of column well, B. Well, you, you were out before you, before you even play. So, you know, it, it, it was funny they've been up there lately, like outside the Crusaders ground, like festooned in Union Jacks because it's that type of an area um, ahead of the 12th. And in Ballymena, there was a big row that there were tricolours erected around near, near the showgrounds by, I think that might be more of a nationalist part of Ballymena, which is redundant not nationalists but all that nonsense is still going on over there and that's something that we're not used to down here but, but the um, prize money though it, um, just to touch on something the prize money as bad as it is in our country it's 40 grand to win their league mm. like it's it's mm. it's even worse than ours like. mm. so the figures that Lewison is plugging into this thing it is like 300 grand for the for the bottom team mm. in the league Europe doesn't come into this from just, a prize money point yeah, of view like. ju- just on um, bef- we, we'll have to wrap up shortly but let's get back to reality here Limerick you told me hadn't paid a player for the goods of 10 weeks quite mm. reasonably it's absolutely scandalous that this is allowed to go on in my view Limerick should be practically thrown out of the league for this mm. players having to leave players you know um, w- with such an uncertain future mm. um, how bad is it? Um, well well, we've, we've worked hard in the last um, the last six, seven weeks we've been 
up and down. Um, there's been other issues there as well, um, which which have been fairly well publicised as well that we were dealing with. So as it stands now, uh, Limerick are amateur. So from a union perspective, our role with them is finished for now. Um, we will we will continue to pursue the club for the wages that are owed uh, to a couple of players. So in the main, everything is is done. Obviously, Will Fitzgerald has moved on, Conor Ellis has moved on, Killian Bruder has moved on, and the other guys have moved on. So um, the, the club will move on on an amateur basis to the end of the season, and then a decision will be made then from there. <laughs> the mad thing is, Edo, they're still very much in the cusp of finishing fourth if things go well for them. But th- this is the key as well, that should, should a club be allowed to enter a professional league on an amateur basis when clearly there are payments being made they're not amateurs it's not mm. Gaelic footballers who, do, who, who are doing, doing it for the love of it there, there are payments being made I'm sure Stephen has far more detailed implications for if you're an amateur player in terms of PRSI and stamps and everything else and, and your, your your record that, that that's key that Limerick are allowed and, and again what worries me is with the change in the FA because Frank Gavin was asked about who the most senior official in the league was asked about this recently with the issue with the um, Sean um, Mort- Martin Sean, Martin Russell. Yeah. Sean Russell sorry yeah. Sean Russell and Frank Gavin's attitude in the FAI was, well, that's between the club and the player. You know, a player who'd been left with a substantial bill over his, for his medical treatment. Now the club come back and said, okay, I know there's different versions of it in terms of where he got the, they wanted treatment somewhere else and it was done It was done in a different place. But if the attitude of the new FAI is still, but that's between, if a player is left uh, to, to deal with the club himself, that, that shouldn't be, mm. you, you should not have, uh, to my mind, you know, the FAI should not be accepting registrations from a club entering players on an amateur basis when you know they're being paid they're being paid mileage or expenses mm. or whatever it is that's sh- that just that has to stop yeah we've, uh, we've we don't we don't even have the time to because yeah, we've 40 percent of the players in the league are amateur yeah i saw that quote which is like that that's something that you know you really need to improve on at the very least and that's why that's why the, the, what you spoke about earlier johnny's a tv deal and more mm. money into the league changes that but like the majority of teams outside of the top three in the fourth division are, are amateur really mm. uh, that's the reality and, and we've a number of like you look at the UCD last night, they have a different model. Uh, I, I was talking to Dick Shakespeare, they've done a brilliant job like UCD have, but the majority of players there would be amateur as well. Yeah. They have on scholarships and whatever else, and, and a lot of players at, at Finn Harps would be would be amateur because they have a different philosophy as well. We're trying to get to a stage where we want to have a professional league with a minimum amount of professional players at every club. Mm. We're not talking about full-time pros, not in part-time mm. and, and full-time, but we don't have a standard. So you can be Wexford Youth, a number of years you'll play in the Premier Division. Like The last player in England to play in the top tier as, a, as an amateur is 1967. Like, yeah, we have rafts of them everywhere. Like. Yeah. So we do really have a decision to make. Look right and say we have a decision to make on where. What are we? What are we? What is Irish football? Are we a professional league? Are we going to have a professional league and have a fourth division, which is just made up of amateur players trying to make it into the Premier? What are we as a league? We don't know, and, and we we need to make that decision. And um, whether we have an All Ireland league, whether we have Noel Quinn coming, whatever, somewhere at some stage we have to stand up and say, right, this is what professional football is in Ireland. And what kind of uh, I suppose attitude have you gotten from the players in general in terms of their well-being and how they see the their careers in Ireland? Um, I suppose. They're starting, I think, to maybe to think about what's next for them. But really, the key message is that they haven't yet thought about it. Mm. There's a few people who have their education sorted and they're talking to me more about what their career planning is, whereas other people are really saying, I just need a job. I need something lined up for their off-season or for their future. And like I said earlier, concerned about their family and providing for them. Um, I suppose the whole idea is it's a personalised service. So while we're out in club visits and we're meeting people in a group, what this is really about is sitting down one-to-one and taking stock of where you're at right now and what your goals are for the future. Um, and then my role is to help coach you through that effectively. Yeah, I'd implore all players to listen because um, I think we all remember being in school and thinking that we'd be young forever and all of a sudden then you're like, you know, it actually doesn't work like that. Ado, <laughs> yeah. um, I'd love to spend an hour about the 
paucity of players who can actually score goals in Ireland in general at all levels at the moment. The results from the weekend, Derry nil, UCD nil, Sligo nil, Waterford nil, third successive air game live that ended up nil all, UCD won Bowes nil. So the, the two lads with the Bowes hats on here to a degree, Bowes 100% record against Rovers this season, against everyone else 50%. Yeah. I, I can't get my head around, now they have striker problems that, like everyone yeah. else. I was, there, yeah, I, was yeah. There, I was there last night. Were you in the melee, were you? No, um, my son was not far away from it. He was he was hanging or taking out his flag. In he that was going to have a goal, Conor Kerr. <laughs> no, no. But um, look, UC were excellent. They were excellent. Um, held the high line. Um, defensively strong. They haven't conceded a goal now in, in the three games. How did they concede against Derry from yeah. the highlights? But, like, but, but they, things are falling for them. Yeah, they have. They're, they're organised. I think Jack, um, this, this, the couple of signs they've made from one from Sligo um, has given that Keeney, bit of, yeah. yeah in the middle. Of, he was excellent last night. Really strong. Both had an off night. Didn't move the ball quick enough. Um, there's an issue with the centre forwards. We we you see that Dini being out has has caused them an issue. And um, they didn't move the ball quick enough for me. I've been at majority of the games this season. Um, it was just one of them nights and. It happens at times, uh, and it happens, and and I think the frustration from the Bowes fans at, at the end is probably built on the on the on a on a fact that they're cl- so close to Europe. They, they're so they're so that, so, so real. Like Europe's just tipping away. That's the thing, though. It's it's like first of all, finishing fourth mightn't be good enough, but they're not. They don't have enough of a cushion, and they they're not scoring goals at all. And my impression is Keith Long doesn't really know who to sign because he just doesn't have anyone to sign. Well, he's tried. I've spoken to him. He's tried to get, and he said. Everyone's looking for strikers. You look at you know Shamrock Rovers had to go within the league to, to get Cummins in because uh, Rovers have don't have a free score. They don't have a Gary Gary Twig, Glenn Grove, Stephen Gagan type figures scoring twenty goals a, a season. Cork City are struggling for that as well. It's it's a problem as a reference earlier on. It's a problem across the game. That where, Did you where see the, the Indos team of the team of the week? Eric Malloy was in the team of the week and it was like two clubs, uh, yeah. Bowes, Pats, hashed, uh, kind of uh, asterisks on trial. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. He's Mar- in the team of the week and he doesn't yeah. have a club. But Marco Sullivan comes back and plays for Cork yeah. weekends. Yeah. And play I mean, quite well. Yeah. But like anyway... that. Well, it's just a problem across the game. I yeah. think I referenced earlier on, but people are wondering, is this, is this a consequence of, of just years of the, the way we play that maybe, you know, four four two or some, some division of that, but where... Across the the game, you look at Ireland last year. The national team, had, you know, scored four goals in nine games. I think at senior mm. level in twenty eighteen. That it's it's a problem across across Irish football. And how do you how do you how do you fix it? Um, I I don't know. But Keith Long has looked everywhere for. He, he's had a couple in on trial. Eric Malloy. I don't know what's going to happen there. He went off and played for Pats after playing for Bowes. He did a striker in from England who probably didn't didn't really fit the bill. But um, there's just no strikers out there you're just waiting for this lad to come from like somewhere really like Uganda like Charles Babas Livington or someone to save the League of Ireland and actually score goals because there's, there's just no good there's almost no good strikers the, the handful of good strikers in the league well, and it's mad well, even Hoban hasn't had a great yeah, season but even look at St. Pat's you know less than who would have thought that, that Pat's with all the strikers yeah. they've had over the years you know less than a goal a game in the, in the league you know played played 25 scored 21 but the unfortunate this is hitting us in Europe now one of the clubs scored in Europe this week last week yeah. one of the clubs scored and haven't scored in seven games. Yeah. Dundalk haven't scored in three games in Europe yeah. off the top of my head. That was a centre back who scored in two goals. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. there you are. And um, in any event, the, the fixtures the weekend: uh, Derry against Sligo, Northwest Derby, uh, Watford versus Finn Harps. Have we a live air game? Uh, Watford Harps is the is the live air game. Uh, I thought Watford did well actually against Sligo, um, considering the the problems that they've had. Michael O'Connor grew into the game after giving away a penalty. Uh, Bowes against Pats on Sunday. Rovers against UCD. Hopefully Rovers will be true at that stage. First division, uh, very very interesting results last week. And Bray Wanderers won Limerick nil. Limerick uh, created next to nothing in the second half. Uh, unfortunately for them, despite 
having a man extra. Shells won, Cavantili won. A big, big result for Cabo. They're very much in the hunt. Uh, Galway United, it was actually put to me that um, Galway United did well to maintain their five-point five gap over Wexford by getting a nil-all draw down there. That's where we're at at the moment. Cove 2 at Lone 1. Uh, Longford two, draw to one. This is the thing, lads. Like to be, I know Bows. You're struggling for goals, but like being third, beating Rovers every time you play them. First of all, just clear something. Well, I ain't a Bows fan. Ah, you that's are. You are. You're, at, you're at every game. Yeah, that's because my, my son is a massive you're, Bohemians you're pro fan. Bows. You're I, pro Bows. I, I live, I live in Glasnevin, not too far away from the ground. But Aidan will tell you, I'm not a Bohemians fan. It was one of the clubs I never played for. I Don't would believe be, you. I would be a Pats fan. That would be the cl- club that I'd be more aligned to, just in case people start taking them. Back, back in the days when you shook hands with Frank Lampard when he was a mere when he was a mere West Ham player. That's right. That's right. The last time he was in there I was lucky enough to be uh, the captain of Pats at the time and, and the photograph just came up recently which was which was I nice to see. From, from my son's point of view yeah. who doesn't think I ever kicked the ball out of my way he, who's your little, man with Frank Lampard he was a little bit impressed by that so that was, that was helpful at Lone Shells at the weekend Cabin TD Longford Galway United Bray Wanderers uh, Limerick versus Strahada United on Saturday then Cove versus Wexford Cove becoming um, a fully fan owned club and uh, the first division in fairness to the system it's been very very interesting with still six teams very much in the hunt really could do with the situation where somebody's going to get relegated just to make it exciting down the bottom but uh, lads thanks a million for coming in um, it's been great having you on as well and exciting times ahead interesting times ahead busy times ahead I think yeah yeah, yeah. A, couple, couple of, a couple of more club visits over the next couple of weeks and and, uh, and look as I said thanks a lot for the invitation I think it's important that players are aware of the service that's there and utilise it as best they can yeah and Rovers and Dundalk both going to get through do you think Um. One of them? Yes, I do. No, I do. I'm confident that Dundalk will get through. Uh, I, I think these have to open up a little bit at home, and I think Dundalk can pick them up. I think Michael Duffy is a key piece of it, um, and I think Rovers were excellent away from home. Rovers have a European piece about them. I think Jack Bourne's superb and uh, and have, was superb due to day. And I just think Rovers at home, they have a European thing about them. They have that bit of pedigree, and, and I do expect them too to get through. You'll be in Talado. In talent, yeah, can see Rovers getting through. Yeah, so I think it's uh, likely to be uh, Limassol. I think in the next round. So I said I wouldn't. Uh, they're not booking flights yet, but I can. Uh, I think Rovers should get through, and Dundalk just about get through. Uh, as ever, I know that uh, we work for them, but just thanks so much to Air Sport for providing the coverage from last week. Obviously, RT showed the Dundalk game, but the return leg is five thirty kickoff on Wednesday live in Air Sport, and Thursday again live in Air Sport. Uh, Shamrock Rovers versus Brand. I do think it's very important that at least one of these teams go through because it'll be an absolute damn squib squib of summer. We're doing as much as we can off the pitch and all that, and trying to sort things. But unfortunately, it wouldn't look good if none of the clubs got through and with so few goals. Thanks, William, for listening. That was in association with Air Sport and Independent.ie. But there are limits to your life.